0: Hey there, imposters, and welcome back to another episode of the You're Not Qualified Podcast. Excited that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time, welcome. We talk about everything imposter syndrome, navigating your own path, believing in yourself, screwing the naysayers, not literally, but you know, telling them that they have no dictation over your life. And going after whatever the hell you want, despite the qualifications that you may or may not have. So, welcome. And if it's your returning time, if you've been here before and you're listening again, thank you. You guys are awesome. I'm hoping to grow and grow and grow this. I love podcasts. I love listening to them. If you love listening to this podcast, please subscribe if you are listening on a platform that lets you do that or follow and also if you're listening on apple please leave a rating if you would not mind if you have any you know uh, ideas of guests that could be on the show please email me or if you yourself think that you would be a great fit for the show ynqpod at gmail.com is where to find me and who am i i'm courtney heater i'm the host of this podcast the only host i've said it before i'll say it again sorry i'm the only one but i i think that we're making it we're making it through at least we have guests to kind of balance it out you know And speaking of guests, today we're talking to Andrew Zimmer. He left his cushy corporate job to join a business with his wife and basically grow it from the ground up. He left a world of 401ks and good salaries, PTO, you name it, fun problems, and he went out to try to solve problems on his own time, in his own way. It's very inspiring. We also talk about dogs, and of course, you know what's wrong with you. No, what? Nothing. And we talk a little bit about believing in yourself, maybe a lot about believing in yourself, and how, with like concrete how to steps, to go out on your own. And start your own business if you feel like that is your path and you are also tired of your traditional nine to five and you want something more. We also get into the trends might be the wrong word. The movements is more appropriate, I think, of the Great Resignation which has been going on for a while now, and Quiet Quitting, which has been going on for a while, I think, but I personally am very new to it because I didn't know what the hell it was, and we get into that, and his thoughts on it, and kind of what it, it might mean for an individual. We talk all about it. I'm so excited to get into it. Little announcement too, next week... Tuesday is going to be another bonus episode, so you're going to get two episodes next week, Tuesday and Thursday, and those bonus episodes are all about you, all the listeners. Myself and an esteemed guest will talk about your uh, experiences with imposter syndrome and specifically the emails that you send in. And we might talk about one or two or three, depending on the time, as well as the context of it. And we will also get into our guests' experience in their life with imposter syndrome and growing in the ways that they felt afraid to do and how they've successfully done that. It's fun if you missed the last one on August 30th. So if you missed that last one, August 30th, Steph Chin, my good friend, was the guest on that one, and we had a really, really fun conversation and an email about a woman in the cannabis industry, all that that entails and her growth there, pun intended and not intended. It's a good time. Please listen on Tuesday. It's also a really good one to share. It's a good episode to share if you talk about this episode with anybody. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I have long episodes. I'm tr- I'm working on it because I like shorter than an hour ones for other podcasts I listen to. But I just, I want all the information that the guests give. I don't like to edit it all out. And I also like to talk and I like to ask questions. So here we are. Okay, like that's, that's what I got. And I would try to keep it under an hour. But these ones are guaranteed around like, 40 you know 30 35 40 minutes so it's a much better episode to share and it gets the gist of what we talk about with a guest still but it's your emails and it's i think very fun so i hope that you join me for that but without further ado because guess what i'm doing i'm just yabbering on what are you doing in here i'm having a nervous breakdown let's welcome andrew Let's go. Thank you to Andrew Zimmer for being here on the You're Not Qualified podcast. Very very excited to see you and have you so late to your time. I appreciate your time.
1: Oh, absolutely! This is going to be a blast, and no problem at all. Thank you.
0: All right, Andrew has one hell of a story (laughs) and process of uh, basically dumping his nine to five to share with us as we go through this episode. So there's a lot of not qualifiedness, I think, to you in terms of what you are doing now. And that's very exciting for this podcast. I'd love to start there. You're traditionally not qualified for the current position you're in. I mean, who is, but you know, speaking from, you have the degree in electrical engineering and you now now lead a law firm. That seems like a far stretch. So let's get into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So coming out of you know school, I was really good in physics and math, and engineering was a great fit. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I worked in that world for about a decade, um, a mix of defense contractors and the nuclear power world, and learned a lot of great skills, solved some unique problems. I definitely had some fun. And during that time, kind of the tail end of that, um, you know, my wife um, had always been an attorney and had an estate insurance trust practice and worked at different law firms and finally decided she wanted to go out on her own and start her own business. I just want to be a supportive spouse and say, you know, if there's something I can do to help, um, you know, with my background, I'm happy to. And, you know, we were bouncing different ideas around and I would just kind of help and helped a little more and a little more and went, man, this is fun. And I'm kind of good at it and tried to keep her in the legal space. And I took over, you know, QuickBooks and finance and projections and more in the marketing and those areas. And then you kind of fast forward to today and go, you know, I never in my life would have thought I'd be you know, executive leadership at a law firm, but here I am. And it's one of those things where I'm not gonna say I'm the only one in the country, but I've gotta be in a small handful of engineers, not attorneys, you know, not an attorney who's in this kind of a spot. And I think it's from working hard, asking tough questions, thinking outside the box. And again, I think that's really all people have to do um, to, to get a shot. And so that's kind of the quick you know, how I went from engineering to law firm.
0: When you say nuclear power, are you talking about like a, how a country is a nuclear power or like literally nuclear power that powers things?
1: Powers things. So, okay. um, yeah, my middle job was at, it, was at the time it was a startup called PKMJ. Um, I got there and it was probably around 75 or 80 employees a couple years prior. I mean, it had truly started. And while I was there, they got acquired by Rolls Royce, not the car guys, but the jet engines and, um, Rolls Royce, and half of their company is in nuclear power, mostly in Europe. And so they acquired PKMJ to pick up the North American footprint. And so what we were, was we were design engineers that would fix problems or augment or build out new systems at any of the nuclear power plants, pretty much in the US, Canada, South America. And so I had, I led a team there. Um, And so it was some neat work. It was cool to see that entrepreneurial side, you know, I got to know the president of the company. And I think that's what kind of, stroke like started this itch was a lot of folks i think saw paul and what he did maybe jealous or just i don't know didn't like it or whatever and i always saw it as this like wow this guy took you know the family name and made this engineering firm and started with himself and another person and hired another one and then got to four and five and six people and here he's at you know 80 people and then 100 150 200 and was acquired by a. I don't know, you know, fortune thousand or 500 company, a you know, big company. It was like, Hey, this guy really did it. And he's just a local guy from the greater Pittsburgh area. And that kind of started that, like, well, if he can maybe like, maybe I can.
0: Exactly. That's an amazing segue into the, the dream life that you did have then, which is, you know, getting to work so closely with really cool people working on fun problems, having, Stability in terms of this is your nine to five, this is your paycheck, this is your 401k, this is your health insurance, all of that that makes life a little easier. You said, screw it, I'm going to go into this other pursuit with my wife. Uh, what happened in there that you were like, this is going to be better than what I have now?
1: Yeah, um, I think I always wanted something else. Um, you know, I go way back, um, it was maybe my, my senior year of college, I mean, I had this like existential crisis moment of wanting to maybe switch and go to medical school. I had friends that were getting ready to, you know, getting ready to take the LSATs, go to law school. That seemed more attractive. It was like everything that was going on around me seemed better than engineering. And I was like, well, you know, I've got the degree and you know, I'm going to take a crack into what I kind of felt like was the dream in the defense world and things I had wanted to do. It was good work. I met great people, but I was never as satisfied and fulfilled as I had felt like I would be from years prior. You know, it was always like this is okay, but in 5 years I need to be doing something different, I need a different position, I need I need more 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 and I just never it was always like I was chasing this, you know, tail that kind of kept getting away from me. And it, I was always talking in these like, well, when I hit 30 years old, maybe I'll make some kind of change. When I'm 35, when the kids are older, you know, when we hit this level of stability with something else, I can make this transition. And that kind of kept just getting pushed further and further away. And as Tracy started up the law firm and I was helping, I went, this is what I want to do. This is, this is it. This is so much fun. This is, I'm more excited to come home and work the, you know, seven to midnight job than I am the, the nine to five and going like kind of what's wrong here. And it was a great way to showcase, like, you're liking job number two more. You've got to put more effort into that one.
0: Mm-hmm. You are outright owners of the law firm?
1: So technically, in Pennsylvania, a non-attorney cannot own a law firm. So she yeah. technically owns owns the whole thing. But as we kind of talk, um, we're one hundred percent fully vested together. And you know, we mm-hmm. we kind of each have our own roles. Where she's fully in the legal space. Um, and I'm not intruding in that area and how to draft documents and put together plans for people. I really own marketing and metrics and analytics and scaling and then like corporate vision how you know working with employees developing folks we really kind of come together in the middle so I, I i try to describe it like a venn diagram we have some overlap but otherwise we each have our own responsibility areas and i think that's what's made us successful is that yeah i'm not good at what she's good at for the most part you know she's not good at what i'm good at and so when you kind of put us together it really adds up and makes us like a super person to kind of run this firm
0: no kidding you're perfectly balanced yeah in terms of what you're good at and how, you know, that makes sense in a law firm. That's, that's very interesting. Um, in, so right now in, in, I guess society, especially in America, the United States, we are in a period of what's called two different <laughs> types of periods. So one's called the great resignation. People are leaving their corporate jobs in droves because they feel unfulfilled, they feel like there's so much better out there, and they're leaving behind the cushy paycheck and all of the benefits to go chase life. There's also quiet quitting, which I just actually learned about the other day because I've been heard I've been hearing about it, and I was like, Yeah, I was like, people quit quietly. Like, don't you have to put in a two week notice? I thought <laughs> the exact same thing. And then I read about it. I was like, Oh, they're just not going above their job description. But then that gave me immediate anxiety because I'm like, how do you get promoted (laughs) if you don't like do extra work? But really what it is, is people, millennials, Gen Z, boomers, they're unsatisfied Mm -hmm. with what they have now. Um, I'd love to get into those two different aspects with you to see really like pick your brain on them. Yeah. So Um, the great resignation, let's start there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, So I think that one. I mean, right, I I was part of that. And so I, I certainly cannot knock it. Um, I think a lot can be said about finding that balance of what makes you happy, what makes you fulfilled, but pays the bills that are necessary to you, right? And I think there's a big societal problem. This is kind of showcasing it. Um, I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan, and Gary V talks about this stuff a lot with like, Are you driving a BMW because you really love cars and like, that's you, or is it because you want to show it to the neighbors or, you know, it's some kind of a status symbol that you're supposed to have it. Because if you're a car guy, that's great. Good for you. Like they're really cool cars. If you're not like, why are you going to some kind of job you hate to make an extra, you know, 25, $30,000 a year. So you can afford certain things that like, you don't even care about because you feel like you should have them. And I think people are starting to kind of figure that out and going, I hate what I do, And it's allowing me to do things I don't even want to do. If I shift it around or kind of take some different role or change careers and do something I like, I'll, you know, I can almost maybe work harder because I enjoy it. I can have what I'm deeming now is like appropriate success that matches up with what I want. And it's a good life. And I, I cannot knock that, um, you know, again, I mean, we hire, you know, so it can be challenging at times to, to get a team and folks that come in, but I understand that like, this is going on. I, I've done it. You know, Tracy left um, a medium-sized law firm to start up her own own thing. I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs and it, it happens. And so I think it's this matching up with what do you want to do? Are you happy? And are you making enough to pay for whatever it is that, you know, kind of the bare minimum food, shelter, clothing, car, some stuff like that. And then after that, you kind of go, what is it that you want? What kind of flexibility? what kinds of things do you want to acquire? and if you're able to do that Good for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember when i was uh, when I was at another job, I was talking to one of the um, we had uh, contractors that worked for us, and they were dog sitters, the contractors were. I remember talking to one person because she quit her job to become a dog sitter full-time, which is not something that we typically saw. It was like a side hobby, usually Mm -hmm. side gig. And I asked her how she budgeted for that because she definitely was not making as much as she used to. And she said, I started with, okay, I have this savings and I started with this exact payment will cover this exact bill. So if I book, this stay, this walk, this will cover these bills. If I have them recurring, even better. And then I have, you know, a couple extra just to be safe in case things are canceled. She's like, so that's the mindset I started with just cover my necessities. And then it grew from there. And then she was like, you know, one of the top sitters in her area.
1: And then she's having fun. So like, then it's really working out. So it's like, you can't be mad at people doing something they enjoy. and doing well at
0: it. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much more fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Her life was full of dogs. I mean, you can't get better than that. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't. Uh, so quiet quitting then comes the possibility of no promotion. As I said, at the current company that you're at, um, at least the ones that i worked at, the lagging promotions is a thing. So you have to be doing the role yes. to get promoted into it. That's probably very common. Uh, but you know, you get so much work-life balance If you don't go above and beyond, so how should people rationalize all of that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I was kind of probably similar to you. I heard this thing. It was like, how are they quitting? What is this? And when I I came across it, I went, I don't, I don't know that I like this term because Mm -hmm. they're not quitting. They're, they're just, they're doing what's expected, not more. And there should, there's nothing wrong with that to me. You know, again, if they're, if they're dragging out, they're being a bad, you know, team member that's different but people who are going i'm doing everything you're asking me to but i'm not going to put an extra 3 hours in or you know take every phone call on saturday and sunday kind of a thing good i think you know balance Please. is great um so i can't argue with that the the flip side where i say people do have to rationalize it though is that there are people that go i am willing to go above and beyond and that that is going to be showcased and i think it's going to drive a bigger disparity and so people say i'm i'm good where i'm at i'm comfortable i'm having fun I have the balance I leave and I'll pick this up tomorrow and I get to go see the family or friends or go and do the activities I want. Life is nothing but trade-offs. And so again, if they go, I, you know, I'm good with that, that I may not get promoted or it could take me longer, but I want that balance, awesome. I think the people that say I should be promoted while doing that, they're gonna be in for a rude awakening.
0: <laughs> Would you go far so far as to say that those who are now subscribing to the quiet quitting culture and they passionately feel for it they might just be better off finding something to resign for? Like they should just quit their job and do something they love and figure it out that way?
1: Yes and no. Um, I've definitely worked at some of the big corporate places where, you know, I think the the general mantra, right, was like, work really hard, get your promotions, move up as some kind of subject matter expert. But like the real winners become management. The really good of, in management become managers and managers and move all the way up to the very top. And I would cross paths with a lot of people Typically, I don't know, probably 40s and 50s that were like, I did that, or I, I just got burnt out, or I, I was a manager for a while and I just hated it. Like, I literally asked for the demotion. I understand, you know, the technical aspects of my job, and that's just where I want to be. I love it. I help people and I, I have a great, great time. So, I think leaving definitely could be a fit. But I also think that if there's a role there and it's like the role for you, there's no shame in being like, I'm good here. I can give a ton of value. Uh, I'm a great contributor to the team. I'm reliable. I help, but I'm not trying to get moved into the next role. Like I just want to be here. Like there's not, that's a fantastic person, an employee and person to work with. And I think that should be celebrated
0: more. Yeah. That's a positive take on coasting. A lot of people say that coasting is negative, but.
1: Right. Coast. Cause it, it's not it for everybody. Like yeah. if, if they can get their job done efficiently and it's not overly stressful for them and they're having fun again. They're not saying that they're trying to make, you know, four promotions in the next three years. Somebody is, and that can be for them, but it doesn't mean it's for everyone. And I think it's okay to find what you like. And, you know, again, if you can work at that kind of corporation and get that fulfillment, that's great because they give a lot of stability. They have a lot of perks and a lot of, you know, nice healthcare and 401k match and time off. So it can be a great blend for people. Um, I think it's great to find that kind of spot and stay in it.
0: Yeah you, I don't obviously know you very well. We just met. You do strike me as the type of person though, who might really enjoy going above and beyond and working all hours of the day. If you're passionate. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: yeah. That this stuff is not for me, but I get it. And (laughs) and I've worked with people that do that. And again, you know, why would I want to lose them or chase them out of that? Like if they're solid and they're good and they're, they're there, but again, that's not me. Um, this is a this is like a passion project, right? This is fun. I enjoy yeah. meeting new people like you. But for some people, would be like, why would you be doing this at nine 30 Eastern, you know, to do this? And I go, it's I enjoy this. I'm meeting new people. This is my personality. This is the kind of thing I love to do. It's part of work and it's my own person, you know, my side of the brand and things like that. But there are people that would go, you're out of your mind. You could never pay me to do this kind of a thing. <laughs> and we're just different. You have to kind of find what motivates you. I love. I don't know. I I played a lot of sports growing up. And I, for me, work is kind of like this sport, you know, Sunday night in the corporate world, I used to have this anxiety and the, like the Sunday scaries of like, Oh my God, I do not want to go back. And now I feel like I'm in the locker room before a game. It's like, I cannot wait to get out there. I've got the ideas and things I want to work on. It's like, sometimes I have to pull myself back and be like, you have to take breaks. You have to like, just do other things because I love what I do.
0: Yeah, i suppose you could still burn out even if you love all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely still a risk. For sure. Um in in the vein of people getting themselves unstuck then. How you got yourself unstuck by leaving for the law firm. If somebody else is stuck, they have no idea what to do. They don't have that partner, or that, uh, you know, spouse that's doing something that they can join, they don't have hobbies, maybe, but they need to do something different. Uh, let's talk about motivation to figure out what people can do in that situation.
1: Yeah, I I think a big one is um sometimes like the side hustle thing kind of gets, I don't want to say knocked, but you know, it's like, Oh, it's, it's the side thing, but that could be a really great place to kind of experiment, give yourself a playground or a sandbox to, to find out what do you like, or, you know, do you, do you write, do you like creating content? Are you a musician? Do you want to become a pilot and you start taking flying lessons? I mean, do you want to walk the dogs in, in, you know, after work and you know, you can, you can try these things out and start finding, oh my gosh, I hated that one. That was even worse than I thought it was going to be. Ooh, that one, that's kind of fun. Maybe not the full thing I was looking for, but that's starting to get there. And I think you can kind of within it, like with a safety net, start working through some things that accept you, do some critical thinking on what might that look like. And kind of like, um, one you mentioned earlier, you know, build out, like, what would I have to do? What would, what would meet, what would say that I was being successful at this, right? What would be my success criteria? And like, how doable is that, right? Mm-hmm. If I want to create a company to compete with Elon Musk and SpaceX, that's pretty challenging. Not that it's not doable and that somebody else can't do it, but like that's, re- that's going to be really hard. If I want to, I don't know, make like cool t-shirts and sell them, it's pretty relatively easy to make a t-shirt, come up with a design, get it to market. So, you know, you you find out what you're going to enjoy and take a crack at it, put some effort in and kind of see where it goes. And so I think it's just like continually taking these steps forward The people that go like one day I'll quit. You're never going to get there. You have to kind of give yourself some timelines and just kind of stay on it. And I think things will show themselves to you.
0: Picking out very specifically what you said, have a safety net, keep the safety net Until you figure it out, I do think that a lot of people might, well, they, you know, might get to the point where like, oh, I don't know, but I just don't want to do this anymore. So I'm just going to jump and figure it out later. Um, I personally wouldn't do that. That's scary. Yes, (laughs)
1: maybe don't do that. (laughs) I'm right. I'm risk averse, and so I take risk, but I it has to be smart risk. And Mm -hmm. I do tell people that don't just you know don't just quit your job like I'm going to figure it out because you've started a stopwatch of you have to figure it out. Where when you have the the safety mechanisms in place, you you do allow yourself more time. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. What were the most difficult hurdles you faced?
1: Um. So, you know, when Tracy started the firm, we started talking about it. It was initially, you know, she started this in March, 2017, and it was a real goal that I would come over full-time within five years. And if we really, really worked hard within about three, and that was kind of what projections looked like and things like that. So fast forward to um, January, 2018, so I don't know, eight, nine months in, and she went We're never going to hit those numbers unless you come over full time and we're not there now. I need to hire your replacement or you need to come in full time. And so we thought about it for a day or two, and then I put a six-week notice in for my boss and and went over. And so that first big scary piece was that we were not making enough money. We, We were taking a really significant hit for me to come over and really double down and bet on ourselves that we were going to do it when you fast forward, then we were making probably double the income we had within six or nine months. But there was this period of we're bleeding through savings We're you know, this is really, really tough. And that's scary. That can deter people. But I guess I knew I could go back. Like I wasn't burning bridges. If I would have went back to my old boss and been like, Hey, I totally screwed this up and we sucked. I need a job. I could have gone back. Like my failure was going back to something I didn't really want to do. That's not that bad. And I think that's kind of where for people to balance it is like you have these hurdles, but you have to, you have to look at it from the, what are the opportunities? And the opportunity was I could do something that fulfilled me. I, I knew that there was really high income and earning potential, um, just things I'd always kind of dreamt of doing the law firm was going to allow me to do it. And it was worth the risk and it could have fallen apart, but then I would have missed out. And so I try to be that optimist of like, What are the openings? What's the upside? Because the the worst case stuff is usually nowhere near as bad as you think. Like you're you're not going to be homeless living in a box, like completely destitute. Mm Failure is usually like tail between your legs, going to do something you didn't want to do. And and when you start thinking that way and realizing that bottom level is nowhere near the bottom, I think you can then take more risks and, and know. And so that that was like the biggest hurdle. And I look back and go, that really wasn't that bad. I should, you know, we should have jumped in even faster, but you know, that's hindsight.
0: It is. And you know, the, the hit to your pride is hard sometimes uh, to make that mistake and have to go back to something. So that absolutely makes sense. What's fascinating about this story is that, that journey of what you defined with your wife as success has changed wildly, even from your projections of like, it's going to take us five years to get here, eight months in, uh uh-uh, we got to get there like with you. So let's change this. Yes. Um, Trajectory of success is not linear. (laughs) I think that's a big takeaway. (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh. It's always changing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's when, and when you look at it, you know, back then it was like success was going to be, you know, could I come over full time? Right. That would mean we were really doing it or, I won't forget that first year, maybe six months in, Tracy was at some seminar and um, there was an attorney and she came home and was like, I met this woman today. She was the keynote speaker and um, she runs a million dollar practice, like just her, like it's, that's what she does. She, I mean, she came home and was like, that is going to be me one day. Well, fast forward, like we're there, now we're trying to get to 10 million. And it's like, you recalibrate, like that was like the big goal, like maybe in 15 years we'll be there. And now it's like, oh, well, we we've hit that and how do you add zeros and keep going and so you're it's it's this balance of you want to have your goals high enough that they really push you not so high that you really can't get them but you also don't want them so close that it's like you're not even challenging yourself and we i think we went from before of like these sort of to us they were lofty goals and what was success? And now we're, we really use it as a way to kind of keep ourselves honest and really working hard. Um, because when you're, you're chasing that the right way, like, I think goal setting is like, so, so, so important for people. And um, it's really, I think, helped us have some of the success we have just because we kind of know we're, we have a North Star that's guiding us.
0: I love you just said north star I was literally that's going to be my next point <laughs> is it's really really helpful to have that north star in terms of all of this can go kind of sideways array a little bit but as long as you really know the end goal and you keep working to get there and just don't lose sight of it you'll get there just keep working for your north star for the law firm or i don't know if you're allowed to say i don't know anything about law firms but do you have this particular type of client you work with that you were like, this is who we want to help?
1: Yeah. And it has changed over time okay. um, when we first started. So we do primarily estate planning, right? So wills, trusts, powers of attorney, and um, estate administration. So when someone passes away, we work with a family to carry out the will and trusts and things like that. And so when, when we kind of started this together, those are the two main areas and uh that was really it. Tracy did some business law, formed some businesses and some contracts and some things there. And I think initially, like we, we, we saw the future as building the business side up. And what has happened is we keep making that a smaller and smaller component and getting away from more and more of it and exploding out the planning and the carrying out the estate side. And then like a couple of years ago, we got into um, helping folks that um, they need a path forward on protecting assets for nursing homes. And so not, you know to get way 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 in but there's a lot you can do at least in Pennsylvania with nursing homes and the elderly how do you pay for it how do you protect assets and that was one of those areas we went and we just kind of want to get into it and like bang like we found found ways to get in front of those clients Tracy started learning that area of the law we figured out how to market for it um then we then she kind of went I want to get into higher net worth planning I want to get in front of people with Instead of one, two, $3 million in net worth, I want to get in front of people with five, 10, $15 million. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, bang, like that's what we were setting our sights on. So that was the kind of clients we were able to start getting into. And so again, it's like, I don't mean to be cheesy, but we kind of joke like, when you start unlocking your mind, like you can like manifest things, make them happen. And I think like the people that don't believe it, they're just like, that's, complete nonsense. But when you watch yourself like dedicate down these paths and make it happen, you start really understanding that like you can actually kind of almost like exert your will and make these things happen because we've done it so many times now. And it, I don't, it feels kind of weird, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, I, I know we can do it. And so it's like, what do we want to do? And you, you just, you jump full in on it and just immerse yourself and you make it happen. And so yeah, these things evolve and it's, what's the next area to get into? How can we serve another, you know, cool niche of, of clients and how does that make sense? And we move into that area.
0: Hell oh, yeah. And the great thing is, is it's your business. Yeah. So you can go whatever direction you want. And I mean, obviously within the realm of practicing in Pennsylvania, but yeah, go for it. That's so important I think for people to, if if they take anything away, it would be, you really can do whatever you set your mind to. And if you want to start a business, do it, have a North star, get it going. Um, And it offers and opens up so many doors, but go through the door.
1: Yes. And it's okay to pivot and markets change, you know, COVID came, um, people were not sending their family members to nursing homes, right? That was a really kind of dangerous place where things were people getting sick and things like that. And so that went from an area where we got a lot of business and then kind of COVID happened, like, Nobody was trying to be, mom and dad were staying at home and they were caring for them. So we had to pivot, right? We had to get into different areas and that has started to come back. So again, you can't just double down out of like ego of like, damn it, I'm going to make this happen. You also have to kind of pay attention and say, you know what? I made a decision or things have changed. You know, we have to, we have to steer course a little bit. You have to have the, you know, the hubris to say, yeah it's okay. Like, I'm not going to just crush this thing out of like, it will be my way. You have to be smart and sometimes pivot or change directions and the good people do that. And you learn from it. And you, you know, again, you look backwards and go, Oh, wow. I see how these dots connected Steve jobs quote, right. You have oh, to yeah. trust the process moving forward. You don't know how it's going to go, but when you look backwards, you see the dots as they connect. And I think that's like business ownership 101. You kind of have to just trust the gut, work through it, use the data you have, but you get to a point, look backwards and like, man, this is crystal clear now.
0: Yes. That's, that's excellent. Excellent fodder for the people that want to start a business and they really don't really know that first step to take to make that dream a reality. What are a couple of concrete things that they could for sure lock down?
1: So I think, um, not from the MBA program standpoint, but Create the business plan. You know, it doesn't have to be all some pretty thing, but working through like who are you going to help? How are you going to get paid? What is this maybe worth? What kinds of expenses are you looking at? What what kind of realistic clients are? sales could you get kind of day 1, month 1, 90 days in, a year in and being realistic you want to push yourself but you you know you're probably not going to do like 18 million dollars you know in the first 15 days. So you know you have to build these things out and look at it so you can understand what you're getting into. So there's no business plan like actually getting into it, but I do think writing some things down and thinking through some of those what ifs is a huge one. Mm-hmm. The other one that I think is giving yourself some milestones and like timelines of, you know, Hey, I'll, I will create that plan over the next two weeks. Once I get it, I'm going to circulate it to some friends, get some feedback. You know, I'm going to go, you know, maybe form an LLC and get a website name, you know, and you're going to take these steps because not to dumb, I, I'm a big Apple fan. So I like Steve jobs. And I saw this, um, tick reel the other day. And it was, it was Steve from probably the late eighties or early, you know, it, this was from a while ago. And he was talking about like, I forget how hard it was to start a business. He's like, you do everything. He was like, you create the product, you market the product, you get it to market, you do the logo, the font, the tagline. He was like, you get the kitchen supplies, you buy the coffee maker. He was like, there isn't, he's like, you buy the chairs, you build the chairs. And it was like, yes, that's literally it. And it feels overwhelming. I mean, I could talk for the next 18 hours about how you start a business. In reality, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So it's just take the next step, take the next bite and and you work through it. And just kind of always, as you get to the next bite, think about the next two or three steps you're gonna have, right? And take those next couple of bites. And it's very doable when you take it that way.
0: Yeah, you don't get overwhelmed and you also can stay on track that way. And you can um, keep the momentum going because you could also probably be burned out in the process of getting there right? If you work yourself nonstop with kind of nowhere to go.
1: Yes. And if you get too circular, right, exactly. Yeah. You're going to burn out. You're going to not make, and you won't make progress. You're going to feel that you don't make progress and you're going to be stressed. It's like, you just move it forward. I tell that to so many people in any facet of life. Um, moving forward, taking the action and actually executing is so much more important than the plan. Like a, a decent plan plan that's being carried out takes you further than a perfect plan that you just sit on. And so it's don't wait for perfection, actually just move it forward. you learn, learn along the way and it, it will go really well for you.
0: That's really good advice for anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> don't wait for, for perfection. Just go for it. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you have reinvented yourself a lot throughout your life, um, looking briefly at, you know, your kind of your life resume in a way of what I could find. Um, you were a dog trainer for a while. You have two dogs, Charlie and Maverick. I'm really curious about your dog training, uh, life really. What was that like? And yeah, what did you learn there?
1: Yeah, man, that those were great experiences. So um, Maverick is our German Shepherd. He was the one I trained. Charlie is um, uh, about the same size much. She looks like a beagle, but she's about 80 pounds. And we rescued her from the Humane Society. Um, and just the, the the thing on that was I'd never been there Tracy wanted to adopt a dog we went in for a different one it, she was adopted and it's kind of like the Sarah McLaughlin commercials playing angel like you oh, go no. in the humane society if you love dogs you are not leaving without one and that was pretty much how that happened we saw Charlie felt bad and she came home with us um but so we we have the the, the two fur babies but yeah Maverick is um he's a German Shepherd he's a across with what they call half show line, half working line. So he can do the, the confirmation. He's got the nice coat and stands all pretty and stacks with the back leg back, but the working line, you know, he he's a working dog. He likes to, to genetically he's made to do some things. And so he's got this cool temperament. We've got two kids. He'll lay on his back and let them play veterinarian. Um, That's but awesome. I go, Oh my gosh. He's like, Good the coolest dog. Dog ever. yeah, he'll, he'll lick your face and just hang out with you. But, um, he's, he has a different side. He's, he has a switch and the, these German shepherds typically have a switch and when they're off, they are off, but when they're on, dang, they're on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I trained him um, at, a, at a club in the Pittsburgh area and the sport was called Schutzhund. It's a German for protection dog. And so the guy who created the German shepherd back in like 1900 created this sport as a test for which dogs should be bred. They had to get a certain score and then deemed them worthy to be bred and keep on the bloodlines. If they didn't, then just don't, you know, don't breed them. And so it kind of turned from the test. It's still a test um, in the breeding circles, but it's just really fun. And so it came to the U S in the sixties and got more popular, like the eighties. And um, so I got hooked up with a club. And so we would do um, it's a three-phase sport, uh, tracking, obedience and protection so you know like I would train Maverick to if you walked through a field at a park or a farm or something I can sh- you could walk an hour later I can show him where you started nose down he will follow every footstep step you took if you would drop your car keys or something as he's walking he comes across them. he'll lay down with the keys between his two front paws um and so that was really fun to do that and watch these dogs, you know, use their nose and these abilities that we don't have mm-hmm. um, and realize like they're different and they're special. And it was really fun to do that. And, you, and what you learn is you're, you're building on these tiny fundamentals and you teach baby step after baby step. And it, again, it goes back to life, right? With all these things where we want instant success and all these big things. And you realize it's like you just build on these micro steps continually, and then you can learn, teach, uncover anything. And I got that from, from the dog training. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obedience was fun. It was off-leash healing and agility. He could retrieve a dumbbell and jump over a, um, like three and a half foot wall. He could climb walls. He would, um, one of my favorite parts that I actually found later was probably the easiest part to train, in my opinion. But the first time I saw it it looked incredible was so, a handler and a dog is doing this whole obedience routine. It's about 15 minutes long. They're picture a football field and they're all over the football field running, walking, going in circles, all this stuff. Another German shepherd is told to lay down on the sidelines and watch it happen, and their handler just walks away. And that dog will not get up for the next 15 minutes and just watches. And the first time I saw it, I'm like, my dog would try to eat somebody and run it's off like, and no bad way. things. Yeah, bad things would happen. And it was again, it was you would just build it at I can get my dog to lay down for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 35 and one minute, two minutes, five minutes. Next thing like, he'll he'll lay here for the next three hours if I tell him to. And again, you just see it's like repetition, putting in the work and you can just build build it up. But day one, he, he he couldn't sit there for 15 or 20 minutes, you know and you have to work on it. Um, and then the last part was protection. That's kind of what gets people either thinking it's really cool or really wild. You know, we'd put the bite sleeves on and send the dogs into, to grip the sleeve. And it's really obedience though, because as much as he'll go in, it's the second I say, let go or call him off mid running in, he would come right back. And so it's this high level obedience with their favorite kind of toy in front of them. And that was a lot of fun to do that. Um, I I was—it's called being a helper or decoy. So I I would throw the sleeve on and got trained up to do that too. So that was fun to be on the, on the toothy, bitey end of the German Shepherd sometimes too. That was pretty special to have them jumping in your face and barking and slobbering all over you. And it was a lot of good memories. A a lot of
0: wild experience. Yeah. Oh, it's
1: it's insane. Um, You know, you realize quickly what these dogs can do when you're wrestling with them and dragging them around the field and they're fighting you to the ground. And you're like, I have protective equipment on, and this was pretty serious. I, you know, I can't imagine them like that police canines. I mean, that's just another level, but it was so much fun. So yeah, that was what we did. We traveled around a good bit and had a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. Did you get Maverick for the training or did you just start training with Maverick?
1: Yes, no. um, I knew about it. Um, I didn't know if we would do it or if he would be good at it. So we kind of got him as just a pet. Um, I always thought shepherds were cool. I wanted to try. And um, the first time I took him out, he, he's a very timid dog kind of deep down. And so we, we went out and he would not engage, you know, it's puppies you kind of play with rags and things. And he just, he had no prey drive. He wouldn't chase. He wouldn't bite anything. And they were like, this dog can't do it. And I was all, you know, bummed out and like, man, like I, my dog won't do it. Like he's a cool pet, but I guess I'm like not welcome here. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked with him at home. I was like, I want to see if this dog can have, like has it in him. And I felt like I got out of, got it out of him at home. So I went back to the club, I don't know, nine months later and all the people were like, why'd you never come back? I'm like, well, oh, somebody yeah. said, said the like he wasn't, great. yeah, yeah <laughs> and came back and he started getting into it and put a lot of time in. And um, it was again, maybe kind of one of those, now you look back like life lessons that like don't let people tell you that you can or can't like, it's up to you to put that work in. And um, you know, I, I did that with him. It was, he had it within himself and we really worked to uncover it and like, no, he's not a national level competition dog or anything like that, but he's a good sound dog that likes to have fun. We're, you know, we're buddies and we've had a heck of a lot of fun out on the field. And um, those dogs don't know, they, they don't know it's a competition. They don't know it's a training day. Mm -hmm. They just know they are out with their best friend that they love looking you in the eyes trusting you having fun and you realize that's all that that's about. And um, you know, you kind of, sometimes you take the, the medals and podiums, you take that away and realize that dog just does it for the praise and treats at the end of it. And as long as they're getting that, they're having
0: a blast. Yeah. There are so many parallels to the baby steps of training a dog to the baby steps of growing yourself and growing something that you're passionate about. That's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing for, I have a puppy. He's eight months yeah? old. What is he? He's a miniature schnauzer. Oh. hair carrier through and through. <laughs> uh, he is, he is the hardest puppy I've ever met. And um, he was people uh, like fear aggressive mm-hmm. from basically the first day we brought him home at eight weeks old, which was just insanely bizarre having a puppy that didn't want to go see people, but he loved me and he loved my boyfriend immediately. So like we were just his people. And then of course we got a trainer and like put him in puppy school immediately. Cause I was like, he's going to have a really, really tough life if he doesn't like get over this anxiety and this fear. Um, and for a while I thought he was just aggressive and that was the end of it, but I learned it's fear. Um, and he is now really fond of other dogs. He loves other dogs, but he is just to the point, like literally a month ago where I could be at a brewery with him and not have to completely stop everybody from coming up to him because he would just bite (laughs) and like, he's drawn blood and he's like, you know, seven pounds, but he's amazing now, but it has given me a new respect for being patient in life in general and not expecting the moon right away but also loving the journey every step of it because he's a good dog he wants to be a good dog he just has a different view of the world that we're trying to reshape you know
1: I love that two things come out so one I love the you know Kobe Bryant quote from when he um I think it was maybe when the, when the Lakers retired his jersey and he was talking about all the hard work he put in the championships and all this, right? And he was kind of like, you realize that you get up early, you put in this work and the journey is the fun part, right? It's not something at the end. It's the whole pathway is what's special, right? And that's what you just said. And it's it's true, like to work everything for this one moment at the end, what's the point in that? Like, I want to have fun the whole way. I'd rather at the end, that moment at the end, be lackluster and have a great time the whole time, than build up for minutes or an hour at the back end. And then that be it. I think the journey is so where it's at. Um, and then getting a trainer, right? Um, this year was the first year I got business coaches. So I, I started with one, and then I did another uh, thing with a second coach. I've had two coaches this year, right? And again, People know things that we don't know, and can bring things to light. Show it, you know, showcase those perceptions or differences we have. And so, again, you know, people invest in yourself. Find a coach. Find, listen to podcasts. Read books. But you know, putting, you know, we put so much time into everything. It's yeah. like, do you put it into yourself? Um, I follow this guy, Alex hormozy on, on Instagram and TikTok a ton. And he, he talks a lot about uh, the S&ME 500. He's like, you know, people save for retirement and investments and all that. He's like, what are you investing in yourself? So he's always big on putting dollars as well into just educating yourself, passion projects, things you want to do, because that can sometimes unlock the most for you, um, big picture. And I, you know, I agree with that kind of stuff.
0: I do too. It is, it's not cheap. A lot of the time to invest in yourself. It's not as cheap to invest in the growth of your dog, but it all is very worth it. And the journey will prove to be worth it. And you'll grow stronger. Your bond will grow stronger. Your bond with yourself will grow stronger. You'll just become more well-rounded all around. Dogs are amazing. See, they're yeah. like parallels for all of life. They
1: are, they are. I've, I've learned so many good things from an animal that cannot talk, that picks up on body language and oh. nuanced little details. And it's a relationship built on trust. You realize there is a lot to be learned from that animal. <laughs>
0: there really is. I've learned a lot about keeping my composure, not like sh- mm-hmm. basically transferring my anxiety onto this poor little puppy. Cause if I'm stiff, he's stiff. Yeah. it's Yeah, it's so much. Um, I've learned to relax a lot. <laughs> it's been nice. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: He's a good little teacher. His name is James.
1: Oh, He's I love it. He's a
0: boy. Um, oh, okay. So we are, we're coming up on almost an hour, but I would love to know if there's anything else that you really want to touch on that we didn't get there in terms of help for people. Um. I think
1: the biggest one is just a final on doubling down on, on taking action. You know, if somebody takes anything out of this, you know, if you go, I don't love what I'm doing, or I'm not fulfilled or whatever's kind of in your mind, as you hear these types of things, it's come up with a step or two and they don't have to be huge, right? We're not talking about how do you cross the a hundred miles tomorrow? It's literally, how do you take the first step on that marathon? And the people that do that, are the ones then five and 10 years from now, everyone looks and goes, How'd you get this wild success? And they go, I started. And I think that that's really it. It's just start, take a step, figure it out along the way, enjoy that journey, and you'll have more wild success than you can ever dream of. There's other people that get all locked in and just kind of stay here. They stay there.
0: You don't have to stay there. Take the step. Where Absolutely. can people find you? And do you offer one on one career advice? I know
1: so, that you probably um, don't have a lot of time. <laughs> no. Um, so I, I try to be really in, uh, active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So yeah, I can get you those um, you know, handles and things. So I, I post a lot of content there and kind of different based on, 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 you know, who's on each platform. Um, yeah. I've been working with some folks one-on-one, some group things and um, kind of informally just kind of, again, having fun and people say, Hey, can I pick your brain? Or can we talk about this? And I've been doing it and realized that's something I want to do. So yet. Um, yeah hopefully later this year, if not early 23, I'm going to be formally turning on with Tracy um, some one-on-one and group coaching things. Um, I think half of it will be specific for attorneys and helping them grow their business and practice things really that we've been able to do. And then this other side on leaving corporate America and kind of building out action plans and helping folks take those steps, find their passion, what they like to do. So yeah, if somebody goes wow, I'd like to talk more, hit me up. We will certainly be able to figure something out.
0: Thank you for all of that. Okay. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being here. Um, Just chock full of amazing information that people can take away and run with. I appreciate your time now that it's past 10 p.m. Your time. (laughs) Oh,
1: thank you so much. I've had a blast. Thank you.
0: Hi, and welcome to the end of the episode, sweet imposters. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Andrew we had a lot of fun talking together, and he is a trooper because he stayed up, I think I mentioned it a couple of times, he stayed up until like 10, 30, 11, talking to me his time, and that to me is late night. I go to bed like between 9, 30, and 10, and read a book or play on my phone, you know, like normal millennials, but I, I don't know if I would do that to help somebody out and be on their podcast. Be like, yeah, sure, I'll stay up till 11. But I get it. Oh, like so many guests are just so amazing with their time and so gracious with their time that it, it blows my mind. So thank you so much to Andrew for staying up so late and for being a wonderful well of knowledge for starting your own business. And even if you want to get into law business, obviously there's some barriers to entry there and rules about practicing law or having a law firm in different states. But if there is any twinge there that you're curious, you know, look it up. And if you are curious about starting your own business, I encourage you to do the research and do it. All right? This is your sign. This is your sign that's manifesting it for you. Put it on your vision board. You know, write it on your wall, but make sure you own your house or you have... A game plan to take that off if you're renting but just do it friends and don't look back and with that I wanted to have a bit of trivia today about the great resignation so we mentioned it with the quiet quitting and I was curious if it did start with COVID I was pretty sure it did because that makes sense and it did so the great resignation in 2021 and this is according to the u.s Bureau of labor statistics over 47 million americans voluntarily quit their jobs mass exit and march of 2020 is when the u.s was hit with covid that uh you know that at least was recorded that we were hit with covid and it started in the seattle area which was very interesting to live through and navigate but In 2021, 47 million Americans voluntarily quit their jobs. Talk about a complete 180 flip of your view of what life should be about. It is nuts. I was, my role was terminated. I was laid off, so I didn't quit voluntarily. So I'm curious about the layoff numbers along with that. And that just leaves a huge reduction in the workforce blows my mind how anything got done. And I know a lot of things didn't, you know, so many industries struggled, so many, and we're still seeing a lot of the effects of uh, different industries that were struggling, you know, like the supply chains and not having a lot of things on the grocery store shelves, you know, to put it quite simply, and there's so much to unpack behind that and so much that I don't know about, I probably don't understand in terms of how vast that all was. And it's just so crazy that we all lived through that. And 47 million people decided to quit voluntarily. You know, if that's not a sign to just go for your dreams and life is, life is long, I feel like, but life is also short. It's short and it's long. And it's especially short when you are having, you know, a great time. It feels long. When maybe you are dreading your week or you're like looking forward to a trip or something and it's like, oh man, like it's so far away, but it can fly by too. And it flies by in a blink of an eye without you realizing it. If you feel like you are not getting what you want out of life, friends, just change it. Do something else. Use this conversation and the other conversations that we have on this podcast as fodder for your change because I believe in you. I know that the people around you believe in you, and you can do it. We can all do it. Just go do it. Go out there and do it. We believe in you. Oh, Okay, so where can you find me will be in the show notes as well as Andrew. And if you think that you'd be a great guest on this podcast, please email me, as I said, at the top. And if you would like to submit any of your personal experiences with imposter syndrome, and you not, you're not you not jonesing to be a guest on here, which is totally fine, and you just want to, you know, share your story, please email it to me, and I'm happy to read it on the bonus episodes that we have, which is the last Tuesday of every month while we are in season. I won't have those in the off season, but I'd love to hear from you so I can share your story and we can talk about it. It's a special thing. Y-N-Q-Pod at gmail.com all right i'm so excited this episode is also kind of short it's under an hour yay me i will see you on tuesday bye